This episode is brought to you by Little Big Dairy Co., Australia's leading supplier and manufacturer of high-quality dairy milk. Hello and welcome to Outback Stories, a podcast about extraordinary people living in the bush. You're joined, as always, by regional journalists Lucy Samuels and Lucy Taylor. That's it. That is incredible. And I always say to girls their dresses evolve. So long as they have sort of in their mind the look that they like. Hello and welcome back. This week it was Touchdown in Moree where we got to sit down with the fairy godmother of weddings. It was amazing. It and was. it was in the Bank Art Museum in Moree where we got to meet Melinda O'Donoghue, who was surrounded by endless trails of lace, mm-hmm. organza, sequins, buttons, you name it, while she was preparing for an exhibition that showcased just some of the wedding dresses she has created for women all over the world. Now home for Melinda is Gurley, a small town of around just 200 people, which is 30 kilometres outside of Moree. And it's here that she has her very own bridal studio (laughs) dedicated to making women's wedding day dreams come true. This is Melinda O'Donoghue. Good afternoon, Melinda. Good afternoon, Lucy and Lucy. Thank you for having us. How amazing is this gallery? Can you tell us a bit about BAM in Moree? Okay, so the building was an old art, it was an old bank, sorry, and it was the Moree Plains Gallery and about two years ago they rebranded to be Bank Art Museum Moree. And yeah, it's a fabulous gallery. Um, They have lots of wonderful exhibitions. They had Archibald was here only a few weeks ago. So it's, yeah, it's a bit of a big deal actually. We're very fortunate. And we've just walked up into the top area of the museum and there are just wedding dresses absolutely everywhere. There are indeed. There are indeed. So we're just setting up for an exhibition that opens next Friday and it's called Unveiled Love, Lace and Longing and it's a retrospective exhibition of 20 years of my wedding dresses with Joe White, who's a local artist, and she's uh, with the Moray Plain, with the Moray Gallery. Sorry, um, yeah, and it's just an exhibition of, of her work and my work. So her works are for sale, and they'll go on sale next Friday morning. But sadly, my dresses are not for sale. No. <laughs> They've already been. They've been well and truly worn, which is lovely. Can you tell us a bit about dressmaking and how long you've been doing it? Okay, so I grew up in a house where my mother sewed quite a lot and I used to play with her sewing machine and used to beg to be um, taught to sew and eventually I think I got sick of waiting and just taught myself to sew and you know, was, a, was a child of the 80s and used to make myself little puff sleeve numbers and Lord knows what and just started sewing and then when I finished school I worked in retail for a couple of years and then thought I would go and get some proper qualifications and went to the Canberra Institute of Technology and did a um, course in fashion design. So where were you brought up? I was brought up in the Riverina at a place called Area Park. So about Mum and Dad's property is about half an hour south of West Wyalong. Wow. 
And then after, when you're in Canberra, where did you go from there? So I, w- I lived in Canberra for eight years and, and worked and studied and then I actually went home to my parents' property for a few months to do some work. They have a lovely old peasy home and sadly mum and dad's next door neighbour's wife got cancer and they asked me to help with her and they had an emu farm. So I actually was an emu farmer for about six months and met my husband during this time and he asked me to marry him after two days. Did he come to pick up an emu? Uh, he did actually. Oh. No, he didn't. But no, no, no. He used to help me with the emus. Um, and so we got engaged about two months later and, and he wanted to – he was from Victoria but had owned a hotel at a place called Ardlethan down the road from where my parents were. And he said, I want to marry you and I want to move to Balata. And I was like, no idea where Balata is, but okay. <laughs> but I said to him, I need to go to Sydney and work in the industry. I don't want to do this course for three years and then... Do nothing. ...become a dressmaker. So <laughs> I um, went and worked in Sydney. And in those days under the Ritz-Carlton in Double Bay, there was a couple of couturiers and... I worked for the two of them for 12 months and then finished a month before I got married and did my wedding clothes, got married and three days after we got married we moved to Balata with everything that we owned on the back of my husband's semi-trailer and that was that. So oh, it was wow. quite <laughs> Tell us a bit about your time in Sydney. So you worked for a few designers, I did. didn't you? I yeah. Did. yeah, I did. So um, I started off at school doing some work at college I should say doing some work experience for Alex Perry and he was amazing and very much at the beginning of his career but I could see that he was going to be a bit of a big noise which he is lovely 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 fellow and so I worked a little bit for him and then I worked for another lady called Mandy Levos who was across the hallway and and worked there for 12 months and did a fair bit of learning not what to do, but did a lot of learning what to do when you go into business. So it was very interesting, very interesting time. But we had lots of brides from mainly Sydney, but all over the place. So, yeah, it was fascinating. And is that what got you interested in wedding dresses? Probably, I think so. Um, And I just could see that that was a good niche market. I didn't, nothing wrong with being a dressmaker, but I just didn't really want to be making mending and making everyday clothes. I just always loved beautiful fabrics and thought yeah. that was just something that I wanted to do. Always romantic at heart, maybe, I don't know. It's, <laughs> a, it's funny, I think people <laughs> often say to me, do you get sick of brides? And, and I don't. It's a little bit like Groundhog Day, but every bride is different. And, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a funny thing, but and a lovely thing. So I have to ask, did you make your own wedding I dress? I did, actually. I did, and Alex Perry helped me make my dress, which oh, was really lovely. So, wow. Yeah, he did the fittings and, yeah, he was lovely. He's he's an amazing fellow and has done very well. Can you describe your dress? It was pink. It was, it very, was pink. Yeah, it was pink blush. I'll show you afterwards. Um, it's here. So it was pink with a beautiful silver Valentino lace and Swarovski crystals on it. This is 1997. It was very pink and poofy and I had very big pink bridesmaids who I think still <laughs> have not recovered from wearing big ball gowns. <laughs> but anyway, but, uh, you know, seeing as this is what I did for a living, I really had to go all out. Went all so, out with it. Yeah, so we had a lovely wedding at Area Park, the little village where I grew up, um, in the little village hall, which was really lovely. And one of my friend's grandmother and father owned a car museum at Bynalong. So Jace, who was one of my great friends, drove a beautiful Silver Shadow Rolls Royce, drove me to the church, which was lovely. And, yeah, it was very special. I guess after your wedding, um, you moved back to Balata, is that right? We did. So we rented a little house on the edge of town, a little farmhouse, which was lovely. Um, My husband probably had glamorised the house and when I got there I was like, oh dear, okay. And I remember that we had 
no car, no phone, no television, really no money. And I remember thinking, good Lord, what am I doing at the latter with all of this? But anyway, you know, and I'd had a pretty exciting 12 months living in Sydney. But then I just started, the word sort of started getting out and people came to see me and just started making clothes and it's all been word of mouth, which is pretty amazing really, I suppose, that... I love that in the country though as well. Mm. It is all word of mouth yeah, and that's how it gets around. So. Yeah. But how were you feeling like when you first turned up to Balada? What were you thinking? Were you like, oh God. Yeah, it was, I remember thinking, oh gosh. And I grew up on a property. So it was not strange to be not in a town, but we lived right in Bondi Junction and I worked in Double Bay and everything was there. And all of a sudden I couldn't walk across the road to Woolworths and I actually didn't have a car to even drive to town. So that was a little bit unusual but it was it was a lovely time of life when you're newly married and it was exciting and yeah it was good so you continued on with your passion with dressmaking I did was that something that kind of kept you going out here I guess yeah definitely and and it was good while the children were small I didn't have to go and work away I could work from home and I used to cut dresses out during the day while the kids were, you know, cruising around and playing and doing what they were doing and then at night time I would sew. And I didn't really do so many dresses probably then. So it's it's been a good thing that I, the kids haven't, not that there's anything wrong with daycare, but they went to preschool, but they were at home with me all the time. But sometimes I do think, oh, I once did ask my children, if I died, what would you remember about me? And they both said that you sew. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Not that we love you or you're a wonderful mother. And I was like, oh dear, maybe I'm so too much. And they were probably six and eight and I haven't asked them since. Hopefully they would say something different now. And now now you've created something incredible. You are a person that a lot of brides come to to get their dresses made. They do. When did it all take off? I think it's just been a gradual thing over the last, I suppose, 20 years, probably the last 15 years. Um, I take what I do very seriously and I'm I'm very committed to my brides and and I think I have to live in the same town as them so I can't be dodgy or do anything that I shouldn't do and it's got to be right and and that sometimes that's difficult Um, but most of my brides I think would be very happy with what I do. You become very close to them, they become like you've got three months of intensely seeing someone so um, I always feel a very soft little spot for all my brides. It's almost nice. like having a bit of an extended daughter. Yeah, isn't it? no, it is. It is, and you do you see them so much, and it is a bit sad where the wedding's over. That's it, and then I will just see them in the street or run into them somewhere. And um, but it's always lovely to see them. It is nice, and if that's been the great thing. Sorry about getting the dresses back. That all the girls have said oh, it's been so lovely to revisit them, and and. I don't forget anything about these dresses. I think that I, you know, labour so long and hard over them. And the girls that have been helping me, are, you know, keep saying, how do you remember? And I said, oh, you never forget these dresses because they've taken so long to make. Blood, and, sweat and tears. Well, not, not that so much, but I don't know. I seem to think I remember every stitch of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and tell us, how many dresses have you made over the years? Oh, a lot. There's about... Uh, uh, probably a few over 50 that are in the exhibition um and and yeah there are a few more than that but about 50 for this exhibition which is lovely so so you've made 50 wedding dresses 
I would have made a few more than that, but yes, for the exhibition, there's 50 wedding dresses. So. Wow. And I love when you kind of introducing us into the gallery, you kind of, yeah, you did, you remembered the people who wore them. Oh, and, very much so. And the personalities. What's it like Definitely. when a bride or the bridesmaids walk into, I guess, your home and you're kind of, you know, putting the lace together and getting the design patterns? And Well, most girls have an idea about what they would like. When I start to speak to someone, I'll always say, go and try on some dresses. And I always say to them, if you fall in love with a dress and it's a good price, buy it. And if you, once a bride gets a, a dress in her mind, it's very hard to get it out. So probably three or four times a year, girls will ring me and say, I found a dress and I'm always very happy for them. That's great. Are they That's always really, really expensive? <laughs> Very. So a lot of the girls that come to see me will fall in love with a you know, fifteen or $20,000 dress. So then obviously it's much cheaper to, to have it made by me. And what about your clientele? Where are they coming from? Oh, they come from all over the place. I've had a lot from Sydney and Melbourne and I've had two brides from Perth. Um, have had a girl from America and a girl from England who haven't specifically come to Gurley to have a dress made, but their parents live in Australia or they live locally, so they've come home to have dresses made. But yeah, lots of girls from Queensland, outback Queensland, and and do they all travel? Do here? Do yeah, they do? So I'll, when girls are a long way away, I'll generally get them to come for a weekend, or they'll come for a day, and we'll do all the patterns in one day, get that sorted. Sometimes they'll fly in, and I'll go and pick them up from the airport, and they'll stay with me for the night, which is good. So then I've got them on tap, and we can get things sorted. And then I'll generally make the dress, and they'll come back for a fitting get the hem and the buttons and loops and zippers done and and then they'll come back and have a final try on and that's that. And so. you lead them through the wedding though, don't you? Yeah, you I do. you rock up on the day. I do. I do. I do. Within reason, although I have, you know, I've flown to Sydney and driven 10 hours or driven 14 hours. If it's local, I will especially go because I think it's just important for me to be there and otherwise I'll sit at home all day wondering and thinking what are they doing I hope the dress is all right and sometimes there are disasters not with my dresses but with bridesmaids dresses or mother's dresses and I've had done some unusual you know alterations and I always take my sewing machine (laughs) and my iron and things happen on wedding days If, if it's going to happen it's going to be the wedding day so there's been busted dresses and all sorts of things that Yeah, can you tell us about a bit of a moment that you can kind of remember with something that's gone wrong? I had a bride a few years ago that um, had a wedding at 12 o'clock and the the priest was coming from Sydney, flying in from Sydney and the plane kept getting delayed and so all the guests were bussed out to their property at 12 o'clock and and the bride, understandably, didn't want to go outside to have drinks with everyone. So the sister, thank goodness, was a caterer. So she put the hors d'oeuvres on and the groomsmen entertained the guests until about quarter to four <gasps> when the father of the bride finally came back from Narrabri with the priest. But they're fine. They're the most gorgeous family and they just went with it all. And, and that was so I left home at, I think, seven o'clock that morning. And got home at 7.30 that night to oh, go and dress a, the wedding. Wow. So yeah, it was a long day. But... You find most wedding days, everyone just rolls along and it's fine. But it was quite funny and the and the, the groomsmen were quite dishevelled by the time that they got married. Yeah. So. <laughs> Ready for a beer. Yeah. Yeah. And actually it was quite interesting. The the groom wanted to wear shorts, like wanted to wear white shorts and a navy blue blazer oh, and, and a blue shirt. And and I remember saying to this bride, mm, you'll be remember you'll be remembered for the wedding where the groom wore shorts. 
Well, the green wore white pants. They did get, they did put them yeah. in white pants, which was fine. That was the compromise. But I think they were wedding. They remembered for the wedding where the priest was three hours late. So the poor father was in Narrabri without a mobile phone. I think, and he had to keep borrowing a phone to ring the house and say, "No, no, pain's delayed by another hour or another half an hour." Oh. We got there, but yeah, gorgeous family. It was all fine. And with people who come into your, you know, your sewing room and where you design these dresses. Obviously, they've got a look in their mind, but do you ever think, oh, you know, maybe you're best suited to something else, a different design? Or Definitely. And I always say to girls that dresses evolve, so long as they have sort of in their mind the look that they like. And if it's really unflattering, I can't say to them, no, that's terrible, <laughs> you look dreadful in that. I have to show them. I have to make a toile, which is a calico version of their dress, and then... I'll have one there that's slightly more flattering and, and they will see it generally. So, yeah, no, they, they eventually do see it. And I can't, I can't tell them they have to come to that decision themselves. They have to figure I, it out. Yeah, and I sometimes have mothers will phone me after a you know, consultation and say, oh, I don't want my daughter to wear a strapless dress, can you change her mind? And I always say, no, bride's choice. You can't make a bride change her mind because she would forever be unhappy. And exactly. She'll get to the week before the wedding and there's a look that a bride gets on their face where they're happy and she won't have that look. So, um, and then it'll be too late. So they have to make the decision. And, and walking through here, all these dresses are so intricate. There's so much beading, so many different styles. Do you have a standout dress that was just insane to make I do I do there is a dress that I call my Mount Everest dress that um yeah was very difficult had 160 meters of boning in the hem and was was amazing and the beautiful bride flew up from Sydney and she was very confident that I could do it I was not so confident but had lots of tears over it but we got there in the end and it was pretty amazing and can you describe that dress to us um, so when she went to try it on at a, at a designer in Sydney and, and she just said it was big, it swirled around and it filled the room and that was about all that I had to go by and there were no photos of it. So between her drawings and her memory, we eventually figured out what we had to do with this dress and yeah, it was pretty amazing and but yeah, it was sort of a fitted bodice with fabric wrapped around and then a double circular skirt that had these six or seven rows of boning that all twisted and, and curled and... Yeah, it was pretty amazing. And did you, oh, sorry, Liz, did you go to that wedding? No, I didn't. She got married in Sydney and I think I had a wedding up here that I had been booked in so I didn't go to that wedding. Um, but I sent a lot of instructions and everything was fine, so it was good. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> <laughs> All those blood, sweat and tears <laughs> into this dress. No, 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 it's fine. And that dress is here. It is here. It is. It is is indeed. So I just had a couple of girls this morning patiently sit on the floor because when the dress was dry cleaned, some of the boning had been twisted. So two girls have just sat on the floor and twisted all that out. So that's Monday's job. I'll I'll spend a few hours pressing that to. How did you feel pulling it out? I've been nervous. I've had the dress for a couple of months in the box and I haven't been game enough to look at it because I thought, oh, Lord, that's what the dry cleaners have done to it. I'm not a great lover of dry cleaners. But it's fine. It's in perfect condition. And, and she got married in a city. All the city brides stay clean. It's the country girls in the marquees that are <laughs> yeah, not so good. The but dust. They have fun. They do have fun. <laughs> they get out in the paddock and, uh, you know, and I think, gosh, I am meticulous about keeping dresses clean and it's really difficult sometimes when you know, I live in the country and it's dirt and dust and drought and then once they leave my hands, they step out of the car and step into a ploughed paddock or something and I think, oh, or they step into the ocean and I think, oh. <laughs> 
but I have to walk away. There, there's a point where I just have to step back and go, it's not my, I can't do anything not my about day. it. Not, not no, my day. That's fine. Because that's wedding dresses, uh, I guess when my mum's wedding dress, she's got hers downstairs and it's in the dress-up box. A lot of them are. Absolutely. And we all love trying on mum's dress. So it's interesting to see what happens to wedding dresses and nice to see them again, I it guess. Is, it is lovely, actually. And I do, quite often I will get a mother's dress or a grandmother's dress to remake or and, and girls will initially say, I want to wear mum's dress. But they probably tried it on as a child and when they tried on it as a 28-year-old, they go... Yeah, no, maybe, maybe I don't not. wear mum's dress. And yeah. I always say, well, we'll just use the fabric. So we usually pull it apart and, and use some of the fabric. And I did have a girl a couple of years ago and, and we pulled apart her grandmother's dress and her grandmother was still alive and she bought the grandmother to see the dress and oh. I was very nervous. But anyway, she was fine. She was happy as Larry and thought it was lovely. So that was really good. But I yeah. wish I could do that. Yeah. My my mother's wedding dress, none of us fit into it except for my twin brother. Oh. <laughs> She was tiny. They were all tiny. I know. They were really tiny, really, really tiny. But it's interesting getting a lot of the dresses back for the exhibition. Some are in immaculate condition and, and some have been dry cleaned but just they've gone yellow and but we're working on a few of those and getting them pristine again. There are ways. <laughs> there are ways. How many hours go into making dresses? Obviously, oh, it a lot. So I would start a dress three months before the wedding, generally. Um, and brides lose weight, so I would ge- usually do the last fitting two weeks before the wedding day, and then it, they pick up the dress the week before. And and that doesn't really stress people out. Maybe a little bit. They don't tell me, but. Uh, they, I've just learned they lose weight they, they, and I don't want to be pulling apart a dress the week before the wedding. Not because I don't want the work but because then a dress will look tired that it's been pulled apart and put back together again. So that's the hardest thing. I can't, there's a point where I can't control what a bride does and they don't mean to lose weight but they're just running around like headless jokes the week before the wedding and, and they just lose weight and that's usually the last thing that I say to them, eat a hamburger every couple of days. Like <laughs> keep, keep eating, keep eating. So... And Melinda, is this your full-time job? No, I work at TAFE. So I'm a TAFE teacher. So I teach fashion and um, technology at Moray TAFE, which is really lovely and really interesting. I have beautiful students, so it's good. And because it it does kind of seem like it is a bit of a dying art, doesn't it? It is, yes. It's amazing, though, how many people do so. I'm I'm very close to Sylvia, who has the Sylvia's Fabrics here in Moray, who's the most divine woman. She's been in... She's 83 or 82, and she's been in business for 50 years, and there is nothing that she does not know, and she's very busy. She's got an amazing business, and she's one of the only fabric shops sort of left that's not Spotlight or Lingcraft or one of those big stores, and she has amazing service, and she's very busy. In fact, she was crazy a few weeks ago with face masks. Everyone oh, just went yeah. mental about face masks, which is great. So it's been a good thing. And for you, is there any competition there as a wedding s- dressmaker? No, no, not really. There are some great dressmakers in Moree, but they don't really specialise in what I do. And that's sort of the reason why I decided to, to do that. I thought that sort of is something a little bit different and a bit of a niche thing and I just like nice fabric and good design. So that was, you know, just <laughs> something special. I just think there's something – I've always just thought there's something special about a wedding dress. And I, and I do sometimes have girls after their wedding that will say, oh, I want, my, I want to dye my dress or cut it off. And I'm always like, no, don't do that. Like I just think <laughs> pack it away in a box and 
That's yeah, it. Your children. Special memory. Yeah, it is a little bit. It's just something. And it's interesting. Quite often the husbands will be like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't get rid of your wedding dress or don't sell it or don't chop it up. Whereas I think in the 60s and a lot of women chopped up their wedding dresses and wore them to balls. Well, there's not really balls anymore, so people don't... Don't have that occasion no, to go to. No. And how many weddings do you think you've been to? Oh, a lot, but I don't... There's a few weddings that I get invited to, but not that many. Even though I become quite close to the brides, I'm quite happy to go on the day and, and walk away. I've, I've, I'm generally pretty tired by the end of it, and, and it's always been a long day wrangling mothers and bridesmaids. And brides are good, but bridesmaids can be a bit tricky. Um, but lovely, <laughs> but they can, be, they can be a little bit tricky. So no bridezillas? <laughs> no, not at all. No, brides are lovely. No, I don't ever... No, I, don't, I really don't have any trouble with bridezillas, actually. All lovely. No dramas at all. More maidzillas. Yeah. Oh, no, they're fine, but there's just so <laughs> many of them. Generally, I used to make bridesmaids dresses and I will occasionally make one for someone very special. But I generally think there's so many good dresses that you can go and buy. And I almost think the days of... It's a bit 80s, I suppose, all those bridesmaids in a row looking the same with bows and things. And yeah. I think now there's fabulous dresses you can buy either online or nice designer dresses. And I don't know, I like to think that we maybe have evolved from making girls all wear the same thing a little bit. I don't know whether that's the wrong attitude to have. But <laughs> I sort of like when girls say to their bridesmaids, just go and buy a blue dress or something. I think that's yeah. lovely. And, and brides trying to find a dress is the most stressful thing for brides, I think, trying to please all sorts of figures and and tastes while it's, doing it's, your own as yeah, well it's, it's a bit it's a bit tricky but they're great you know all the girls on days are always on wedding days are always beautiful and lovely and and I love listening to all their chit chat I try and I say to the families just put me in a room far away but you always hear and see what's going on and they're always lovely it's nice and what's some advice I guess that you give to a bride when picking their dress um just be comfortable, I suppose. And, but I also say this is your most important dress that you will ever own. You, will, you and your future generations will look at this dress for the rest of your life. So I would advise against doing something too crazy, like too many weird hems and odd things. And you've just and, and too there's revealing, but not too revealing. Like I think there's a lot of people that will be looking and talking to you on the wedding day and, and I think you've got to be comfortable. So if you feel like you're going to fall out of your dress, then that's probably not a good thing. There's a time and a place for all those sorts of things. But you can still have a you know low-cut dress but just not extremely low-cut, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. You that really makes me are. sound like a prude <laughs> and I'm not at all. And I, and I think you know a bit of cleavage is fine but just not extreme. And, I, and probably my biggest advice that I say to brides is Get someone to document your vows and your speeches. You don't have to do a videography, although they're amazing and there's wonderful videographers out there. But if you can't afford it, get someone with an iPhone or someone with children that'll probably have a video camera and just quietly get them to, to film everything because the day goes so quickly and they don't remember. You won't remember in a month's time what was said. Or And when you have children, they love nothing more than seeing you get married as a 20-whatever-year-old or 30-year-old, so... You really are the fairy godmother <laughs> of dressmaking, <laughs> wedding dressmaking. Not at all. <laughs> and tell us, I guess, um, while we're here, a, a bit about the exhibition and how people can come in and, okay. and look so at it. So it opens next um, Friday 
and it's on for six weeks till the 16th or 18th of November. Twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursday afternoons you can book in and I'll give you a personal tour and, and walk around the dresses and have a chat and tell all the funny little stories that I remember about a bride or the fabric or whatever happened while we were making her dress. And I think there's a couple of art after dark things that they'll do on Thursday, on the first Thursday of the month, I think, in November. They're charging, there's a $5 admission fee, which I think is fine. I think most people are quite happy to do that towards the gallery. So we're lucky to have such a great gallery in Moray. So I think a lot of people will support it. Hopefully there's a bit of a buzz around. I'm feeling the slight pressure about it all. But anyway, I hope it'll be fine. Bring your own gin. Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Little flask. Definitely. (laughs) Well, good luck with it all. Thank you. And thank you very much for talking with us. Lovely to meet you, Lucy and Lucy. I'm sure we'll probably be... Back here one day. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, we definitely know where we'll be heading when we want our wedding dresses made, don't we? Yes, we do. Watch out, boys. I know. Watch out, Melinda. <laughs> we'll be back. She's got two wedding dresses to make. That's huge. <laughs> Joint wedding. But who would have thought that sewing would make such a comeback? I didn't because I was not into textiles at all at school. Neither was I. And look at it. You've got a classically trained seamstress living in the middle of the outback. Yeah, and what I couldn't get over was the fact that all of these, you know, brides are travelling in from all over Australia, from the cities, to come to Moree. And she's picking them up and taking them back home to try on these wedding dresses. It definitely adds to the mystique of it all. Yeah, it does. But thank you, Melinda, for giving us an insight into your world. If you want to see some of her stunning creations, head down to the Bank Art Museum in Moree. Her exhibition is Unveiled Love, Lace and Longing, and it's on until the 14th of November. And if you want to know more about Melinda's exhibition, just visit the BAM website. This is Outback Stories. This episode was brought to you by Little Big Dairy Co, who will be launching an exclusive product this Christmas, their delicious brandy cream. The same double cream you know and love with a splash of Australian brandy and vanilla extract. A perfect addition to any festive table. Find it at your local retailer this Christmas. This episode was produced by Rihanna Mooney, music by Nate Skulls. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review if you're feeling generous and follow our journey on all of our social media pages.